0: From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com.
1: Hello, 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 hello. We have a packed full show today. So excited because I have a very, very, very special guest, Rebecca Nebius. Uh, not only is she this amazing wife and mother of three living uh, right down the street from me here in Arizona... She's a graduate of Talbot School of Theology, where she earned her M.A. in Philosophy of Religion and Ethics, but her true passion is Jesus, followed closely by one of my true passions of coffee and playdates, and also... She happens to be related to me, which makes her very, very special because she's my niece. And she's my favorite niece, so hoping that none of the other nieces um, are listening to the show. We can't wait to dive in and find out all the fabulous things that God is doing in your life right now, Becca. So I'm going to start with, how are you? And do you have coffee right in front of you now?
2: I just finished my cup. Yeah, and then I lost it, which is pretty standard for every morning. Hey, I have a full house of kiddos right now, so if you hear me talking to other people, that
1: doesn't make sense. That's what's going on. <laughs> well, um, what was really fun is that we had an opportunity to be together yesterday, and mm-hmm. uh, we actually went out to see my dad, your grandpa, and we had seven grandkids running around, and so that was – very fun, very chaotic, which I think you and I both thrive on. And so mm-hmm. uh, speaking of chaotic, you have had some major chaos going on in your world because you just wrote and also illustrated this amazing book called God Is Bigger Than a Juice Box. And so yesterday we were we were talking about what all goes into this. And yeah. you said some really cool things about you were talking about Brene Brown. And I just want you to share that, um, if we can go into that a little bit more, about having that courage, mm-hmm. like really stepping in into the arena. Yeah,
2: um, I think this last year, if someone would have given me the binder of information that I have now about, you know, bringing an idea into a published book, I would have walked to I would have run away and been like, no, that's too much work. Like, I have three kids, one's in kindergarten and a two-year-old who's potty training and a four-year-old, and... Um, like there's no, I would have just said, there's just no, I can do all that. And, um, but anything worth doing is, is going to be hard. Right. And that's one of the lessons I've learned this year, but, um, yeah, it's, it's really vulnerable putting yourself out there. I, there's a long, I have a couple of stories that I wrote that I never um, published and, um, it, was be- it was because I needed an illustrator, and I thought, well, I can't do that. Like, there's so many good illustrators out there. Who who am I to join them? You know, and I think that thought gets in the way a lot, I think, especially as moms when we're sort of disconnected from the world a little bit with our kids and <laughs> being yeah. at home, especially the stage I'm in. Um, you know, you're at home a lot or you're out just doing mommy, mommy gears kinds of things, and um, I just kept thinking the whole year, who am I to do this? Who am I? And, um the cool thing though is the Lord just kept replying back. He's like, Well you're mine and I made you and I think I want you to do I want you to do this. So once I got that through my head that she wants me to do this, I, I could sort of get rid of that thought, like, oh, who am I to do this? And I just started drawing and I just started doing the thing that I love and I think I made to do, but just was insecure about. So um and then, you know, once I had the book, putting it out there and going on Kickstarter, you know, if p- people people gonna want to want to do this with me, like partner with me. And, um, like if you don't know what Kickstarter is, it's a, like a crowdfunding platform where you can give your idea, you just put your idea out there and people say, uh, that stinks or, oh yeah, I want to support you doing this. So, and then we got the funding for it. And I'm like, wow, okay, maybe this is a good idea. Maybe I don't think of this. And then after that, it's like, you know, right when you get to that point where you're going, um, oh, good, I, I've arrived, I've done this. He put something else in front of you that's really hard. So then I had the book in my hands, and I'm like, you know, I actually have to go to a bookstore and other <laughs> places and put myself out there again, and you mm-hmm. just feel so stupid. But, yeah, we were talking about Brene Brown, how she said, you know, you, um, the true measure of courage is um, vulnerability. Like, are you willing to be vulnerable? And I don't think we usually look at courage that way. I hadn't, and so when I heard that, I thought, yes, because to, you could have something great, but if you're not – like if I wasn't courageous enough to go up to people and vulnerable enough, do you feel stupid being like, hi, I wrote this book. Do you want it in your store? You just feel stupid. But yeah. they're like, yeah, sure. I do want it in the store. And then you're like, oh, okay, all right. All right. So anyway, that's
1: <laughs> – It is because – I, <laughs> I love what you said. It's who am I? And even though God is going, okay, are you kidding me? <laughs> Yeah, I created you. You were, you know, created in my image, and yet we we are all a little uncomfortable in our own skin. So to have to put yourself out there and in, you feel like you're self promoting. And I think often we go, "Oh, we need to be," you know, humble. And I th- I think the enemy redefines that in our own head. Has- oh, he totally draws a line. Like, that's what I realized
2: whole year. He draws this line and he goes, this is you and this is them. They are yeah. successful. They are doing these things. And it's like, oh, but that's not me. That's not me. Like, I need to clean up the poop off the ground. That's me. Like, and I think we can be both. We can do, you know, what God's called us to do, which is mothering for me. And then also, he called me to be an artist and to write stories and That's good too. But I think it's just, it's hard in the state needs to put yourself out there, especially because you can fail like big time, you know, every time you put yourself out there. And I, I felt a lot, actually, like this isn't the first book I've written. Like I've had so many ideas over the past six years, and this is the first one that made it through. And a lot of times people don't see that. They don't see the struggle beforehand,
1: you know? Yeah, yeah. And. We just don't get it that God truly, I know you hear this over and over, so it becomes trite that He really does have a purpose for each of our lives. And yeah. It, yeah. He has huge plans for us, but we continuously yeah. put the excuses there and we don't allow our experience to really um, line up with the power of God to actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, and Patty, that's it. Like, I think I've been
2: looking at. Um, what, like my kids, you know, when I've been in the, the pit, I call it, with my other mom friends, like the pit, it's just that really hard time where you're not sleeping and you're changing diapers and, you, you know, um, when you're in that, it's easy to get even resentful towards your kids and go, oh, you're keeping me from what I made to do. And actually, I've just realized, no, like they are a catalyst propelling me forward into what I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to do. You know, like they're the reason I could even write this because I got to be in their little world for so long, so saturated with it. I could see from the eyes of a child in a way that I could never have done before. So it's in that early, you know, motherhood pit, I call it, that he forms that kind of character that we need to be the kind of person we need to be.
1: And at least that's my story. But Well, and sometimes we don't talk about the pit enough. Um, I mean, you don't want to stay in the pit. But the pit, you know, just even for a lot of our listeners that, you know, they, uh, many of them are in the same situation, like you said, in the mom pit, Um, but it's the pit of strange friendships. It's the pit of just Mm -hmm. being in that spiral of complaining and misunderstandings and Mm -hmm. what you're dealing with at work and doing ministry. And you get to a point where you, I want to give up. I'm just going to surrender to despair. You know, I'm Mm going to turn into and, well, I'm throwing and, some hormones, and it's just, like, so bad sometimes. <laughs> huh. And And then you look back. I always think of Jeremiah. Like, he literally was in the pit. They threw him in the pit yeah. of mud. Oh, yeah. And you, you, go, you look at what's in Scripture and just continuously, God is in the pit with you. Mm-hmm. And we can either choose to be stuck and come up with excuses yeah. or you move forward. But I, I do want to make sure... Becca, it's, we have three minutes and mm-hmm. I just want to make sure we get it out there on where can we find God is bigger than a juice box. And I yeah. also want to say, thank you so much for sharing your pit with us and, yeah. and just what it's <laughs> taking. Like you said, you know, you have to be vulnerable and put yourself out there, there. And I hope that encourages our listeners to go, where am I in my life that I needed this hope? I needed this, you know, you just, it only takes one ambassador that believes in you to go, okay, you've got this and Mm -hmm. God has called you for this. So thank you for giving us that, that hope. And I just want to dare all of you out there that are in that place, in that pit, this is that dare to challenge you to move forward. And then once again, how can we find God is bigger than a juice box? Yeah. So it's on
2: Amazon. If you look up the title of the book, God is bigger than a juice box. And, um, it's also at a store called Audrey's in Cave Creek. Um, which is might be a little bit far for some of your listeners. But um, starting June 15th, actually, I have an event that I would love to invite them to. It will be at the Changing Hands bookstore on a Saturday, and it's for families to come. They can meet me. I'll find the book. Um, the book will be for, for sale there. And then it will also be in the Tempe location starting June 15th. You can get the book there. So it should be fun. And you know what? you the funnest thing I've heard so far from parents is that they're like, my two-year-old is reading it back to me. Like, they can't read, but they can tell me the story, and they've memorized it. And it's all about God's bigness and God's love. So what a cool thing for them to memorize and read back to you. Um, so, yeah, I'd encourage you guys to check it out. I, I'm super encouraged by the feedback we're getting.
1: Well, that's a that sounds like a great event because Changing Hands, I I love that store, and even just down there on Tempe, that's a great place. Well, we have one minute, Becca. Will you just like, what's one challenge you would share with our listeners to help them and encourage them to to step out and get into the arena?
2: Yeah, you know, I think all great things, all great things start with just one idea, just an idea in the back of your head. Maybe you're taking a shower and you're thinking about it, or you're just doing life. I think um, the jump from one idea to something finished is really big, and it can overwhelm us to the point of just being frozen. And I would just encourage anybody out there who has just a little thing that they feel like the Lord wants them to do, to just do the tiniest little thing, um, just to do the next thing. And daily, you know, get, get at it and um, work at it and just see what God does with that. You know, he talks so much in scripture about planting seeds and seeds and what grows from them. And plant the seed and let God do the, do the growing and be
1: faithful to what, you know, the idea that maybe he's calling you to work out. And don't be afraid. <laughs> awesome. On that note, thank you so much, Becca. And we're going to go into a commercial break. We'll be right back. Awesome.
4: For more information, go to stadia.cc.
0: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
3: Have you ever considered dancing your way to fitness? It may be time for you to find innovative things to add to your fitness program. Variety is always good, not only for your body, but also for your mind. I want to encourage you to add aerobic dance to your exercise routine. Dancing has become so popular because of television shows like Dancing with the Stars. Aerobic dance classes get your heart rate up and sustains it while you work almost every muscle in your body. It allows you to let go and to release any stress that you're carrying while you get a fun and energetic workout. You don't need to be coordinated or a great dancer. Just step into a class or rent a DVD and let loose. Aerobic dance is a wonderful form of cardio exercise, and a fun way to get in shape. I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook.
0: If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. For more information on The Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's The Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
1: Well, I said we were going to have a pack-filled show today, and we have another amazing guest, Um, Author and college ministry leader, Shelby Abbott, who believes that while technology isn't itself to blame, it forces real issues to surface in the lives of young men and women. And I know for me, I'm dealing with that as a parent of a daughter who's just finishing up her high school year. And uh, well, her senior year. So she's already planning on um, starting college in August, going into the dorms. And you see all these unique sets of pressures that students are experience, uh, experiencing. But it's actually pretty crazy when you see and you read about what college goers are exposed to, you know, such a plethora of stressors, managing their classes, adjusting to the college environment, all the social pressures, and you know, I know everyone deals with stress, but it does seem like this pile of work that is thrown on them um, just coming from high school to all of a sudden I need to decide what I'm going to do for the rest of my life is a pretty powerful stress. So I have to say, welcome, welcome, Shelby. And I'm so excited that you're going to unpack some of this and especially, uh, to unpack what are a few of the stressors that students are wrestling with in today's culture. So welcome. How are you?
5: Thank you for having me, Patty. Um, I'm doing great, um... I'm enjoying the finally warm weather, and uh, I am looking forward to the summer, too. I get to work with college students over the course of the summer on a summer mission that I do every year, and so uh, we're getting ready to leave in about two weeks or so, so it's it's ramping up for me. It's not calming down.
1: <laughs> Where do you go? Where are you going for your summer mission?
5: We go to Ocean City, Maryland, so we'll um, have about 35 to 40 college students, and then um 15 crew staff. I'm on staff with an organization called Crew which reaches out to primarily to college students. And so there'll be about 50 of us in Ocean City, Maryland.
1: Wow, fun, fun. Well, I have college students as a life group. So we meet every <laughs> Sunday night and some of them are graduating, some of them are, you know, beginning and some of them are right in the middle. So it's it's a great plethora of you know, just they're all in different seasons and all kinds of fun yeah. stress that they're dealing yeah. with. And I, so that's why I was really excited to be able to unpack some of this with you. And I'm sure by the end of the show, you are going to give us all the answers on how to deal with
5: this pressure. <laughs> yeah, no pressure on me, I guess, right? <laughs>
1: Right. So there are so many challenges and it, it does seem like today's different from, you know, the previous generations. What, why did you feel called to write this book? I mean, obviously this is your passion. You've been working with, you know, college students, at your background and you put it into words. At what point did you realize I'm going to write this stuff down?
5: Yeah, it's, it's, been, well, this summer actually is 20 years of working with college students right after graduation from college. And so, um, it, it, it came to a time where I realized that ever since 2007, when the iPhone came out, things started to change pretty drastically. Much like the rest of culture, a lot of things just changed and, and quickly. And so mm-hmm. I noticed that, <clears throat> in particular, the relationships that, that students were having with one another, Um, Friendship-wise, relationships with uh, the people they live with in their dorms, the relationship they have with the people in their classes, uh, the romantic relationships, all that kind of stuff began to change in a pretty significant way. And so I wanted to address some of the quote-unquote normal issues that a college student would deal with in light of the fact that, that technology and social media in particular has kind of changed the way that people communicate. And I felt like, you know, the Bible is always going to be true, and it's going to always apply to the issues that humanity faces. But I wanted to give solutions that were gospel-oriented from the scriptures, even though the scripture is silent on things like smartphones, because, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously. Um, So that was kind of one of those things. I want to meet students right where they're at, but then uh, help them – help to point them not in some new kind of – flash-in-the-pan solution, but but point them to biblical answers because the answers are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind of the reason.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I know, um, just like I said, I have my own child that's uh, graduating this year, and she was asked to – share a message this Sunday actually at church. And we, we go to, I think there's probably two to 300 kids that she'll be sharing it. There's two services. It's a pretty large youth group and she's definitely stressing out over it. And she shared what she was going to be talking about on Sunday. And I asked for her permission to talk about it even today, knowing I was going to have you on the show. And yeah, it broke my heart to hear what she was going through. It broke my heart to hear the sadness and the isolation and the the stress and just truly being afraid and how she right. had a hard time saying, "Okay, God, you know, I want to be obedient to you" because she felt like I've been praying and praying and praying for Him to take this away, take the pain, take the sadness away, and He yeah. didn't. And so right. to hear that from her as a parent, when I see her as this bubbly child that's a s- social nut that goes around singing all the time, you really don't know what's going on um, at night when they have that quiet space and just when they're right. alone and they're not surrounded with the 5,000 friends that it seems like they're, uh, you know, that you, I just compare it to my world at that age. And it, it is, yeah. it's a completely different world. And, and the hope that's there because she was able to finally, her whole point was making that choice, literally stepping in and going, okay, God, I'm going to have that, that faith of a mustard seed and step into this relationship with you and know that you're in it with me. And it, 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 it takes a while to get out of that pit.
5: Yeah, it does. I, I found too that <clears throat> kind of in culture, uh, American culture in general, and it's pretty much always been this way, is that when suffering hits or loneliness hits or fear hits or anxiety hits or whatever, we constantly our knee jerk reaction is I gotta I gotta drop kick this out of my life. I gotta get it out mm-hmm. soon. So like everything that we wrestle with, if we're uncomfortable, if we're if we're overheated, we turn on the air conditioning. If we have a headache, we take Tylenol or Advil. If we're uncomfortable in what we're wearing, we change our clothes. I mean, we just don't have any tolerance for suffering whatsoever. <clears throat> and while those things are not bad, what I just mentioned, they're not bad. But it trains us to think that whenever anything hard comes along, we should uh, expel it from our lives, as opposed mm-hmm. to sometimes being able to sit in some of those things and understand that God m- might be using this thing that's bothering me to teach me something that I never would have been able to learn without it in my life. you understand mm-hmm. what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And yeah. so, yeah, and it's, it's cool for me to hear that someone like your daughter is is leaning into her relationship with God in the midst of those things, because a lot of times we have a tendency to go, why isn't God taking this away? I'm going to blame you, God. And yeah, so yeah. I found that that is, is a very common thing, even on the college campus, because Students, when they deal with difficult issues and the answer isn't plain in front of them the way that they want it to be in a very quick way because they wrestle with impatience because of the nature of our culture today with with technology and stuff like that, they don't have the patience to wait on God. And Mm -hmm. uh, waiting on God is probably, at least for me, one of the most sanctifying and um, soul-growing things that I've ever uh, experienced in my relationship with the Lord.
1: Mm. well we have just a couple minutes before we go into a a commercial break but i want to talk about that in in the next two minutes just even listen to me in two minutes i want to talk about instant gratification (laughs) and not having patience (laughs)
5: how ironic yeah
1: so what what is a tip there shelby to help people out with that of not having you know we do want to have that instant gratification.
5: Yeah. The, the, a lot of the, the part of the issue is that um, we've been trained, and I do mean we. I mean, our younger generation is growing up with it, but now even my generation, I'm in my early 40s I've been trained because of smartphone and, and social media technology in general, to get instant answers. And when um, instant answers don't come. Uh, I immediately get frustration um, and kind of like, ugh, I can't believe I have to deal with this. Like I remember it when, when I had uh, what was called Ethernet back then in college, like fast, quote-unquote fast Internet, and I would go back to my parents uh, over summer break or whatever, and they would have dial-up Internet, and I would be like, I can't believe that I have to deal with this because you're used to going to a certain speed, and then to go backward is just excruciating. And I think as we process those things, for us, as an older generation of people, we have a tendency to think that a phone in general is just a tool. It's a tool we use to communicate, to talk, to uh, get information, to blah, blah, blah. We think it's a tool, but it's not a tool to younger people. To them, it's an extension of themselves because they don't know how to communicate without it. They don't know how to communicate without texting someone. They They would rather cut their hands off then call someone, you know what I mean? And so Absolutely. that in and of itself is one of those things you have to retrain almost the what brain to learn how to communicate. Yeah.
1: Hey, we're gonna go on a, a real quick commercial break and when we get back we will repack some of that or unpack some of
5: that. Sounds good. <laughs>
0: This is Girlfriended on Toginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended radio right after these.
3: We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California.
0: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
3: Having a tone-tight abdominal area, or better known as a six-pack, is highly desirable to many men and women. Unfortunately, you cannot spot reduce in that area of your body, or in any area for that matter. One exercise myth is that you can do a multitude of crunches to achieve that sculpted look for your abs. While doing crunches is a very good idea and an important element to any exercise routine, it will not give you a six-pack. The reason is that unless you lose weight and keep your body weight low, you will still have a layer of body fat on top of your muscles. Your ab muscles underneath that fat may be toned and sculpted, but the fat that's on top of them is preventing you from seeing that. Include fat-burning cardio exercise in your daily workout along with your crunches. I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond.
0: Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show, on togynet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
1: Well, we are talking with Shelby Abbott. He's an author, campus minister, and conference speaker. He's on staff with the ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ. And his passion for university students has led him to speak at college campuses all over the United States. And Shelby is the author of Jacked and I Am a Tool. Um, that This is a book to help out with your dating life. His latest release is Pressure Points, a guide to navigating student stress. And Shelby, we were just talking about how we are trained to get instant answers And I love what you said. It's now in this, I guess it was generation Z, but I also think it's a lot of just the millennials in general, because I feel like I fit into this category that it's an extension to, you know, if the other day we left and I didn't have my phone, um, I wanted my husband to turn back around and go back to the house to go get my phone. It's like, you can't, (laughs) come in And he goes, you know, Patty. I have my phone. If anyone is, if it's an emergency, they're gonna they're gonna contact me to get a hold of you. But it's like it just didn't sit well with my soul. <laughs> That's so <Yeah>. sad. <laughs> so sad. And then, like you know, an
5: instant diagnosis. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I have a tendency to, you know, look at like even my college group and go, okay, please put your phones down. You know, everybody put your phones in the middle. No one can look at your phones. But then I find myself, I can see my phone lighting up going, huh, it's <laughs> trying to get yeah. a hold of me. And, and they've proven that. It's, it's like a heroin addict. You know, every time you, you hear it ding, it's just like that Pavlov, you know, the dog that has to yeah. look and see, like, oh, okay, I must be really popular because my phone is dinging. I, I, you know, whatever it does to your brain to get this, like, dopamine drip or something that that's going on. Um, So what are some other things that you see with just even, you know, no patience, instant gratification?
5: Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's kind of this, um, what I've kind of labeled it as is this digital shield, which is a, a digital layer of protection that people put around themselves in order to protect themselves from hurt, from pain, from boredom from things that are uncomfortable in general. And then when the shield is kind of ripped away, like you do, you accidentally drive away without your phone, you feel exposed and you're afraid of being injured because the digital shield is not there. Um, and so it a it, it, significant amount of unlearning needs to be done uh, in our own hearts. And I think setting the example as parents is, is something that of course we should do but helping our kids to see the the value of what it means to have personal communication with people, uh, face-to-face stuff. So uh, some of the things I talk about in the book when it relates specifically to college students is is the dating world uh, that is so different now than it was even when I was in college, um, that they they would rather text one another and ask kind of vague, open-ended questions if someone's interested in someone else uh, because they don't want to put stuff out there for fear of being hurt, which, again, we all understand what that's like. It's mm-hmm. nearly impossible this day and age for a guy to look a girl in the eye and say, hey, I- I'd like to get to know you better. Would you like to spend a little bit more time with me? Just like you know, it's equally as difficult for a girl to look at a guy who shows interest in, in her and, and has to communicate to his face, nah, I think I'd rather not. The, and so o- often, as a result uh the the bumpiness and the friction of initial relational interaction usually takes place behind the safety of a smartphone and uh, what I like to tell the students is is like while that's totally normal it's also a mistake um, because what it means is you're going to have to. Uh, initially come to grips with the fact that you've dealt with anxiety and the the relationship friction that can happen in the easiest way possible via your smartphone. And so when real problems come up in the future, you're just not going to be prepared for them. You're not going to be prepared for them in the natural, like kind of difficulties that arise by interacting with other human beings, friends, parents, family, romance, whatever. It's just, there's just bumps along the way. And if you don't know Mm -hmm. how to deal with that, um, you're never going to have authentic relationships. So I, I ha- help the, help them to try to see like a, a few a few miles down the road, so to speak.
1: Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I I think it's powerful, and it it's really a struggle to know how, how do you retrain because I feel like this whole smartphone when it came about for this generation that doesn't know it. You know, this generation that's literally graduating right now. Um, they. I, I guess for as parents, we didn't see it coming. You didn't see that. Yeah. Okay, everything is at their fingertips, and you know, before when the computer was coming out, I remember it's like, oh, put a firewall. Oh, make sure they don't get to see, you know, X, Y, and Z, and it was all about mm-hmm. kind of monitor, monitoring that because we always had our computer yeah. out in the family room, and we knew exactly what games they were playing, and and you were able to have more conversation about it. And now yeah. you're basically just going here, be exposed right. everything. Yeah, Cause even if you have whatever firewalls or whatever you can do on, on your child's iPhone um, or smartphone, somebody else has it where it's,
5: they can show right. everything. And, yeah. I, do, and I, yeah. I think it's, it's easy to get caught up in, in all of the, the specifics of that. My kids are young. I mentioned this to you earlier. My kids are um, eight and five right now, so I'm not dealing with this much uh, as what a lot of parents are dealing with out there with the, the dangers of uh, you know lightning-fast Internet streamed right into your pocket because it's on your phone. So I'm not dealing with that now, and I don't look forward to dealing with that in the future, but often what I've found is you can become overwhelmed by the fact that how in the world am I going to protect my child? Um, how do I you know, protect them from predators, of course, but then all of the, the mess of sin that's out there on the Internet, how do I do that? And I think really to, you want to be wise and try to make good choices uh, with your kids, but also to help them understand that there are issues behind the issues, and those heart issues are really the things that need to be addressed. which is why I talk about a lot. It's like, you know, fear, loneliness, pain, anxiety, all of those things have been around forever. And the solution to those things is not prevent yourself from experiencing those things. It is where do we run to when we're experiencing those things? And a lot of people are running to the kind of numbingness that technology does for that kind of uh, normal human experience. It kind of numbs everything. And it's just kind of mediocre numbing so that we, we feel like we need more of it in order to feel better. But the truth is, is that God calls us to the gospel, to, to an authentic relationship with Jesus, because he, he came that we may have life in it and life abundantly. And so that's what I try to get at. Hey, we're, we're going to talk about drinking and sex and pornography and, and relationships with your parents and friends and dating and FOMO and failure and, and your goals not working out. Uh, even spiritual warfare is something I bring up in the book, but it's it's really those solutions are are in the person of Jesus. So helping our kids to see that, not only to see that, but live that ourselves. Because if we are telling them Jesus is the answer, and every time we get bored, we bust out our phone and start scrolling, they're gonna they're gonna learn by what they see us do, not necessarily by what we say.
1: Yeah, and. That is, that is so significant. And, and even going into that, you know, as a parent, I love in your book where you, you're, you know, it's so much bigger than even what parents can, as you're raising your child and trying to really go into what's in the heart and train them up the right way. Uh, I love what you talk about with partnering up um, with, you know, other churches, other ministries as they're moving forward, because. Most kids are, are are going to college away from their local body of Christ. And right. so now what? So talk a little bit about that because I hear you. I feel like we get so territorial and it's like, no, you're not you talk about they don't do it the way we do it. And we're we're missing out in that partnership as we're all united as one body of Christ.
5: Yeah. Um uh it's, it's interesting again with our culture in the, in a the world of like um my choices i do what i do earbuds it's all about me experiencing what i experience personally the truth is is that christian life was never meant to be lived uh in isolation it, it just wasn't um and so culture comes into direct collision with that and so it's it's really important that we understand that seclusion, like this I am an island kind of mentality, will usually, if not always, lead to disappointment and failure. And so partnering up with people in a, in a sense that um, if you're looking at ministry, if you're looking at relationships, if you're looking at um, how to get through school, you need people to be around you in a healthy way not only for, like, someone to lean on and talk to, but also for someone to keep you accountable for things, for someone to look you in the eye and say, hey, you're being foolish right now. Uh, for, for, you know, one of the best things that happened to me when I was in college, my sophomore year I was hanging out with a, a crew staff member, and I, I remember this vividly. I said something to him that made him laugh, and he laughed, and, and then he kind of paused and got real serious and looked me right in the eyes and goes, Shelby, you've got so much stinking potential if you would just live up to it. And Mm. in that moment, it felt like a gut punch to me, but that moment in my life was like, uh. But I look back on that and say, this is when someone looked at me and said, hey, you're jumping pretty low. Let me raise the bar for you. Let me me Mm -hmm. bring it up a little bit higher because I believe you can jump over it. And I feel like the under-challenging nature of what a lot of our students go through this day and age They're just not used to someone looking them in the eye and saying, hey, you're settling for second best. Why don't don't you jump a little bit higher? And I'm not necessarily talking about academics, like studying. I'm talking about uh, moral behavior. I'm talking about excitement for the gospel, talking about what it means to walk with God and experiencing that abundant life I was talking about earlier uh, in a way that they just kind of settle for stuff. Um, I would say that like, if, if a if a high school student can explain the concept of photosynthesis, which most of them can't because they've learned it in school, it's complex stuff, then they could probably understand a little bit deeper theology. We could challenge I, them when it comes I, to spiritual mm. things. And yeah, we just assume that they're going to roll their eyes and not be interested. But that's, that's just not true. A lot of times they're just under-challenged. They're just kind of bored because they don't see how Jesus changes lives because they're not living it out there. They're thinking of it as religion, as this routine thing that I do on Sundays, because I have to go. And the beauty of campus ministry is that, that when a student— At that, we going to go ahead
1: and take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back.
5: Sorry.
0: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
3: According to Weight Watchers, researchers have found a connection between couples and weight. Not only do women and men who are married and live together tend to gain weight at similar times, they are also more likely to achieve better results if they tackle weight loss as a couple. Why is that? First, married people tend to eat together, and they may be eating more when dining together than if eating alone. Secondly, the newly married person may have less motivation to stay thin. In a single world, they want to maximize their attractiveness, and that includes a healthy body weight. Couples working to lose weight and keep the weight off encourage each other's progress and help each other through the challenges that come with losing weight. That improves the odds of weight loss success and better health. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond.
0: Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on TogiNet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
1: welcome back. We have been chatting with Shelby Abbott, is the author um, of Pressure Points, A Guide to Navigating Student Stress. And Shelby, I I rudely interrupted you when we had to go on a commercial break, and you were talking about um, just raising the bar, raising the bar for students and what they can walk away with in Scripture and owning
5: their own faith. And
1: just wanting you to keep unpacking that for us.
5: Yeah, thanks, um, where I was going to go basically was is I, I being in campus ministry, when a student shows up to a meeting after you invite them or a Bible study or whatever, and they're, they actually are there. They're there because they want to be there. They're not there because their parents told them to show up. And so there's often that, that first foot forward, the most scary one has already been dealt with. And so what we need to help people to see, especially as, um, people working with young people, is that Jesus actually changes lives. He actually does. And that that maybe the experience that they've gone through before of religion um, is not going to satisfy them. It's going to um, make them feel like they need to be obedient in order to keep God pleased. And that motivation will never last. It just won't. And so, we, we have If Jesus really died for our sins and if he was really resurrected, if he's alive right now and his bones are not in the ground, that is the most phenomenal and amazing story ever. It's just not boring. And so we need to help students understand and live in such a way that we, we own the gospel in our mouths, we own it in our hearts, and we live in a way that, that we believe that, that Jesus can transform lives, including theirs. When people see that and then uh, understand it in their own heart, I've seen students go 180-degree different and totally change the way that they live their life. And it's just phenomenal to see that because the the proof is in the pudding. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's kind of where I was going to go with it. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, and – and I, I love that because I think we all need to re- have that reminder that, you know, he died. That's a fact. I mean, we have history to, that proves that. And then you go to that next part and go, his bones are truly not in the ground. So how do we yes. want to live knowing that um, if he really rose again, then then what are we doing about it? And, and your book, you know, really talks about that in, in raising the bar and getting excited and tell us a little bit. You mentioned earlier when you and I were just talking that it's that thirty thousand, you know, uh, foot book. There's so many, you know, problems that you're talking about, but the solutions are in the gospel. So give us mm-hmm. kind of that overall, and and also how it breaks, how your book breaks down some study guide information as well.
5: Yeah, great. Um, I divided it up really into three sections. Um, the the pressure of finding purpose, the pressure of relationships, and the pressure because of difficulty. Um, now these are relatively universal subjects, but it's all filtered through um, speaking to a college student. And so there are you know finding purpose at, it's asking questions like, okay, I've heard God loves me, but does he does he like me? Does he even really like me? And then answering the questions like how do I decide where I'm going to go? Life's direction. You mentioned that your, your daughter doesn't necessarily know what she wants to do yet. A hundred percent. I was a university studies major, which was basically a question mark major for the first two years until they made me decide a major. So I, I get it. I understand. Um, and then asking, you know, important questions like, what does God want me to do? Um, uh, things like, what does God want from me? So kind of, higher level questions and including stuff like, well, how do I handle the void? The, uh, the emptiness that I'm feeling in my heart that I'm trying to fill with everything from, uh, romance to, to substance abuse to even binge watching stuff. And I'm throwing things into the void of my heart and none of it is satisfying. Uh, what do Mm -hmm. I do about that? Um, Mm -hmm. relationships specifically, um, a lot. I, I talk a couple chapters about romance, about the ambiguity of modern romance and the, the physicality of modern romance, and then you know dealing with friends, uh, wrestling with parental guidance in this weird period of time where you're you're not under their uh, authority but you kind of are at the same time. That's just a bizarre little four-year window if you're in a four-year college, and then friendships. Um, what's it like to have a real friend? That kind of a thing, and then. Um, the importance of connecting with the body of believers, which is what we talked about earlier. And then the last section is really um, a section about when it comes to the pressure of difficulty. Um, We don't a lot of times get immediate success the way that we want to, um, what it looks like to build the depth of character. Um, I mentioned before spiritual warfare being evaluated by our peers and then asking the the hard question of where's Jesus when things get tough? Where's Jesus – when I, I don't feel like Jesus is near, um, when I'm suffering, those kind of things. Um, is God really present in my life? And so I felt like, like I said before, yeah, it's a 30,000-foot kind of kind of survey of a lot of stuff that college students deal with, but also addressing some of the specifics with some narrative format as well, and then helping them to see that the solution is not self-help, it's not self-esteem, it's not try harder, it's not believe more and then it will happen, it is, lean on the gospel because the gospel is the solution mm. Mm. and and then I unpack that of course
1: well we we started talking about like how how do we partner together and so we can say this you know and you can go through this this book but how do you really use this book in in partnering you know it do you have any examples of of how this, are you, you're obviously using it through crew right now, I'm going to assume.
5: Yeah, we, we, it's made available it's, uh, to people in crew. It's, uh, it's one of those things that I feel could be done in a small group context where mm-hmm. you would um, discuss the questions Cause there's a uh, reflection question, like three reflection questions after every chapter to help you like kind of dive further or even read further into the scriptures. So I would hesitate to call it a Bible study, but it could be a great discussion group as you talk through these issues that kind of stand out to you. It could be one of those things that could be given as a gift to anyone, um, as saying, "Hey, this this might help you." Because I think if you if you if you see a book, someone reading a book about anxiety and fear. Um, you're going to be like, oh, what are they going through right now? Uh, And so it's not particularly something that that people want to admit when they're um, holding a book up reading it. But this is like, hey, everybody experiences pressure. Everybody experiences stress. And specifically as a student, since you're going through these unique things, uh, let's talk about them um, in, in a candid and humorous and fun way, but also in a way that points us to the real solution. And then I've designed it so that you can have group discussion afterward um, in a poignant way, because I think that you can, you can discover things in a group that you never would on your own, even journaling out your own thoughts. Uh, you yeah. can get ideas from other people and say, Oh yeah, I never really thought about that. That's a great, that's a great yeah. point. That kind of thing.
1: And speaking of that, when you're able to discover that in a group, and that's why so many people, you know, they, they look and they see, oh, all these groups are doing all these amazing things, but then they won't take the step into being a part of a group because of, you know, their own feelings of insecurity and inadequacy. Will you? Just talk about that. I know you go there in your book and you, it's, you know, peppered with all kinds of humor. Uh, but the fear of missing out is such a big thing right now because it's so in your face. Uh, yeah. Let's just end on the last four minutes that we have before we end on the show of what can, can we do with that? Uh, or is there any tips for people to to get away from that, you know, like I said, we can say, Oh yeah, the gospel, the gospel and, you know, using scripture, but how do you really take that into your soul of wrestling with the FOMO?
5: Yeah. uh, I mean, it's it's way more of a problem now than it ever has been because of social media and texting, because you can get on Instagram and see what all your friends are doing without you. And you start Uh wondering why wasn't I invited? They can hop on Snapchat or look at Instagram stories and go, Hey, I'm not there. Why didn't they think of me? And so it becomes yeah. like a huge problem, a huge, huge problem very quickly. On top of the fact that everybody posts their best and their brightest. And so you think, why Why don't I look like that? Or why don't I have enough money to do that kind of thing? Um, so it, as we're talking about abundant life uh, and then in the, in the midst of being hyper-connected because of our phones, um, people just operate um, – in a way that they feel like what will solve, again, this kind of hole in my life. Uh, the answer to FOMO is not, um, catching up to what you see in everybody else and, and living the kind of what if mindset. Um, it's really about, um, life is going to be full of wonderful and terrible things. Uh, it's, it's going to be pain is inevitable. Joy is inevitable, but, um, Jesus asks us in, in Matthew six twenty seven 27, if, if anyone can add a single hour to his lifespan by worrying, and the implication is most definitely no. And so we need to take heart in that, that the one who proactively directs and shapes our paths, who, who guides our life, who loves us enough to die for us, um, is the one um, who we can never miss out on. And so the, the fear of missing out makes you often miss out because, you, like you said, you feel insecure. You feel inadequate, and so you often don't take steps. But if you rest in your security in, in your relationship with God, you can be happy for people when you see them online. You can be happy for what friends are doing. Now, I'm sure there's going to be sin wrapped up in that and kind of struggles with anxiety, but um, it, you really just kind of look at it from a completely different angle. If you're securing your relationship with Jesus, your your relationship with your friends, your boyfriend or girlfriend, your parents automatically get more secure because you realize— that nothing's going to compromise or jeopardize your relationship with him, and again, mm-hmm. I go into way more than just that, but that's kind of a, a very quick synopsis. Yeah, FOMO mm-hmm. is like a huge deal.
1: Well, and and I mean, I've had it too. Often we, you know, we we say, "Oh, this is what's affecting," you know, the next generation and the millennials are all full of FOMO, and it's like I I've, I've been guilty of that, where you see something totally. on, and you're like, yeah. hey, those are my friends. (laughs) How come I wasn't invited to that? So I've done the same thing. And I, I, I actually appreciate the fact that I didn't grow up in an era of, of social media. And, you know, I think, okay, how would I have dealt with all of that angst? And, you know, feeling left out yeah well i want to say thank you so much shelby for being on the show today uh once again we were talking with the author of pressure points and you can find this on amazon and um also you can go um look on facebook and we will give more information there so thanks shelby everyone have a great weekend
5: thanks Patty.